What up my people? It's your host Kaspar Mapurisa and this is the Evangelical Student Network podcast. And today we continue with our series entitled The Bible in 10, uh, which is a Bible overview. And last episode we saw God making promises to Abraham and today we continue or the saga continues um, as Tamuka takes us on to show us God making more promises to David and establishing uh, his kingdom and uh, David as the king. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, without wasting much of your time, grab a cup of coffee or tea or a cup of juice and sit back, relax as we hear God's word. Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 to 17. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But the same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I not speak a word with any of the judges? Did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they might dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever, in accordance with all these words. And in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. This is the reading of the word. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Tamuka, and 
I'm one of the apprentices of uh, at ESN. And welcome to a Thursday Bible Talk. Throughout this series, we are looking at the overall story of the whole Bible and what God is doing throughout uh, the Bible. What we have seen so far is from the first talk in Genesis chapter 1, God created the world perfect as he wanted it to be, with God's people living in God's place under God's rule. A perfect world it was to such an extent that God even says it was good. Before we all know it, sin comes into the world. With Adam and Eve committing the first sin, the relationships are broken. Marital fights start to surface. Blame game becomes the new order in the garden. God being holy as we have seen could have just ended the, world, the story there. But it seems it had a plan. The plan is unfolding. After this, sin has become so prominent that God decides to restart the world. He destroyed the world with a flood. He again decides to save Noah, who at that time seemed to be like the best person the world had, and would think the world would become a better place because of Noah. But no, soon after the flood, soon after the flood, he gets drunk and his son Ham laughed at him, and again kisses are spoken. But last week, uh, it wasn't as dark, is it? If ever, it is the first time we see God making promises to, uh, to people. As we saw last week, even though sin was in the world, he promises to make Abraham a great nation, to give them land for his offspring to be God's people. And where we are today in the story, the nation of Israel, which basically comes from the line of Abraham, is now enjoying, enjoying what God has promised Abraham. After a series of tribulations in Egypt under Pharaoh, God raised his leaders from Moses up to a series of judges as his plan unfolds. During the judges' era, the nation cries to God for a king. They chose their own king. So, why? Because all the other nations around them had a king. They wanted to be like other nations. If you read 1 Samuel 8 verse 5, which again was an act of rebellion. Things don't go well with Saul, and God finally gives them a king in King David. Now it seems everything has fallen into place. David, an offspring from the line of Abraham, is now the king. He has just defeated his enemies, and they are in a way victorious as God's people. Now we see God giving a covenant. This is from the passage that we have just read. A promise to David through the prophet Nathan, a promise of a king who is from the house of David, and it seems he does it in two ways. Firstly, he starts by reminding David who he is and what he has done before. That is from verse 4 to verse 9. And secondly, he promises to establish David's house forever. That is from verse 9 up to, the, up to verse 17. Let us see how God reminds David of who he is. During these days, the presence of the Lord was signified by the Ark of the Covenant. So at this moment, David has defeated the Philistines, and the Ark of the Covenant was with David. The Ark of the Covenant during these days used to stay in a tent. That's why in verse 2, David says he wants to build a house for God. David says in verse 2, See now I dwell in the house of Seder, but the Ark dwells in a tent. And by the way, during these days, the house of Seder was like a palace, just like one of the best houses. Nathan just agrees immediately and he says, Go ahead, 
Nathan was a prophet. But I guess for this one, it's like, it's okay. Because it was a good thing to do. Was it God's plan? No. Why? Because in verse 5, this is what is written. Go tell my servant David, that says the Lord, would you build a house for me? He also goes on to say, all the years I've been with you, did I ever ask for you to build me a house? From the judges up to now, why then do you want to build me a house? To him, it seems it's not a priority now. It seems God is actually saying, no, you won't build me a house. I'll build your house as we are going to see. I'll build you a house as we're going to see in verse 11. When God says he will actually build a house for David. God literally says, you David, you can't do anything for me. Rather, I'm doing something for you. That's he reminds David of who he is and what he did. And it is important for God to actually remind David of who he is. Why? Because David is now the king that God has chosen. But the nation of Israel, it at this moment chose their own king, like I said uh, initially, in Saul. But God gave them uh, David. And remember, David was actually chosen from the pastor. If you read uh, from verse 8 to 9, God actually says, I took you from the pastor from following the sheep that you should be the prince of my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and cut off all your enemies before you. And remember, this is after the nation of Israel has cried for their own king and it did not work. And God then gets someone from the ship whom no one really knew at this point. He was the least among his brothers. He did not have the qualification according to human decree. So friends, this is a gentle reminder that not only does God show how he has been faithful with David, with David, but he also shows how he is faithful to his word. And this basically means whatever is going, whatever is going to promise is definitely going to come true. And this leads us to our second point. God's promise to David to establish his house forever. I for one think this is the climax of this passage, if not of the Old Testament. Why? Because at this point we are told of a kingdom that will be established forever. A king who will sit on the throne forever. The promise of a king kicks in. So God in verse 9 says that you will make the name of David great. Which is obviously true. Because one of the most famous people in the history is actually King David. And at this moment, these people are in Israel. In their own land, they have just defeated the Philistines. God is with them. Remember the Ark of the Covenant, which actually signifies uh, the presence of God. Everything seems to be okay. But why would God in verse 10 say, And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more, and violent men shall afflict them no more. At this moment, who would all think David was one? Jerusalem is their capital city. Why then would God say, I will appoint a place for my people? They already have a place. For years they will have this place. Under King Solomon is David's son's rule. They will actually live peacefully. Why then is this so? Well, just a spoiler. After Solomon was king, his son Rehoboam became king of the nation of Israel. And it was dismantled and divided 
due to sin, they start idol worship, they lost battles and were again in captivity in Babylon. So it means, so it means, there's another place that God is actually referring to, which is not this one, or this moment. A place where there are no battle, where God's people will live in peace with a perfect king seated on the throne. In verse 12 to 16, God says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And yes, God did raise, uh, raise an offspring after David. Remember, we say David was told not to build the house. Solomon actually did, the, did build God's temple. Solomon was also punished for his, uh, equinity, uh, for his iniquity. So yeah, we might actually think that the prophecy has been fulfilled. But when we look closely at some of the elements that are pointed there, for example, are we established his throne forever? This is something that did not happen with Solomon. Remember my spoiler when I said Solomon's kingdom was actually divided after when his son started to rule uh, with the tribe of Judah uh, being uh, another, uh, another, another nation and uh, the other tribes also uniting to form uh, a nation which they called Israel. So yeah, he could not rule forever. And Solomon's kingdom was not established forever. It is, not, it is important for us to note that the main reason why these kings could not rule forever and why Israel continued to fail was because of sin. Their kings themselves were sinful. Think of David who took someone's wife, Solomon who married lots of wives, and how even Rehoboam, his son, um, led the nation into idol worship. So all this, all this must have been must have referred to another king. A perfect king who rules perfectly and is not tainted with sin. And yes, this other man is the one who is referred to as the book of Matthew start, starts. Read with me Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Remember the The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And this does refer to that son who fulfilled the whole prophecy. Not partially, but fully. As we continue the Bible story, we will see how he does this. But for now, it is important for us to know that he is the promised king, whose kingdom will be established forever, who is seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne, according to Romans 8, verse 34. So as we have seen, God promised the king, an offspring of David, whose kingdom doesn't get dismantled. And this king is in Jesus Christ, 
who even though he died still lives and the call for us here is to submit to the king we have also seen that all kingdoms do fall apart david's kingdom solomon's kingdom rehoboam's kingdom they all fell apart but there is one kingdom which was promised to david and which is which has got one king who is on the throne that is not going to fall apart and that is the kingdom that is ruled by the king jesus christ the truth is if you haven't submitted to this king who was promised to david then it means we are part of another kingdom that is going to be dismantled have you submitted to the king so that we can be part of this kingdom that stays forever or we live as if we are on our own kings let us pray Lord, we thank you for this message and we thank you for your son jesus christ who though he was king he decided to come to service and now he is king seated on the right hand of the father lord we pray that you continue to be with us you continue to be with all the students that father for those we have not submitted to you that they will come to the knowledge of you and for those who have given their lives to your son we have submitted to your son that father they will continue to live under your rule submitting to your son amen 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 uh ladies and gentlemen there you have it we have a king sitting on the throne but not only a king sitting on the throne we have a promise of a king who will sit on the throne forever and that is the lord jesus christ the question that we're gonna leave you with is is jesus christ uh your king is christ the king of your life is he sitting on the throne of your heart something to ponder something to think about ladies and gentlemen as we continue with this series my name is Kaspar Mapurisa and this is the Evangelical Student Network podcast. Catch you on the next one. Grace and peace.